Welcome to the Embodied Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relationships, and the creative fulfillment of living a life on purpose. If you're someone who wants to leave this world a little better and really make the most out of your human experience, you're a creative, a lover, a human who is here to embody the full essence of love, this podcast is for you. Join me for conversations about the real stories, lessons, and mistakes that make up a life well-lived and a human well-loved. Let's dive in. Hello, loves. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Like, I'm actually like really, really jacked up today. <laughs> the excitement is at an all-time high. Um, I just had a conversation with one of my friends about this vision that I have been holding in all honesty since 2010. And I've had like fragments of this vision and they come in and like certain people will come into my life and it'll activate another piece. And so I've been collecting these fragments and kind of putting them into this picture, this vision that I've been holding that honestly just makes my creative heart explode with joy and happiness and fulfillment. And uh, I had this conversation with my friend like literally a half an hour before I'm recording this. And I, I was like, I think today's the day to tell him about this and to enroll him into the possibility of it because it's something that I want to co-create with him. And there's a couple other like key players that I, I see that are a part of this vision too, but he was like the main, the main player. And so I just did it. I was like, okay, I feel the feeling. I'm going to go for it and I'm going to send him the message. I sent him the message. He gets back to me very, very quickly. And he was like, you know what? fuck yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Like this is, this is the direction. This is the thing. This is the next thing. Let's do it. I obviously can't tell you any more than that because it's in the sacred creation phase. Um, but I can tell you that <laughs> as a creative, uh, you're probably going to really love what we're cooking up. Um, that's all I can say right now. Okay. I will keep you posted. I will give you more information as we create and we, you know, we agree to reveal more and more of this, uh, this project out into the world, but fuck, it's so good. And so I wanted to drop in today and speak to that, speak to the art of enrollment because in our relationships, if we do not know how to enroll people into possibility with us, we are going to stay locked up in cages of our own making in relationships that aren't really going anywhere. You know, relationships where it might be a battle of egos, where both people's needs aren't being met and we, we don't really know how to get out of that super funky space. And the skill set of enrollment is one of those key foundational relational skill sets that 
at least in my experience, you know, I have a lot of really beautiful relationships in my life. And the one thing that we all share is this ability to enroll each other into, you know, conversations of possibility, but also enroll each other into conversations that are a little bit more challenging. So to be able to enroll someone into possibility, obviously a really great skill set. That one's a little bit easier because you can ride the energy of excitement and excitement is a natural opening energetic. So you can kind of rely on the opening that happens through the excitement and you can kind of pump people up that way and get them to open and then the the free flow of creativity is moving. It's a little bit more challenging though to enroll someone into let's say a conversation around conflict or conflict resolution, or if you have an issue in your relationship, bringing it up in a way that inspires the other person to meet you. Now, this is arguably one of the most crucial skills that you will need if you want to do like romantic relationships really well, but also any type of relationship. And I will say this over and over and over and over again, my work is not just limited to romantic relationships. Everything I teach gets applied to relationships across the board. And when you can get really solid at flexing these relational skills with people who you are in non-romantic relationships with, it becomes smoother And you have a natural sense of confidence and competence to take those skill sets into your romantic relationships. Because for a lot of us, our romantic relationships are much higher stakes. And we could talk about that in a future episode. We're not going to talk about that today, why that is. But I think we can all agree that it feels a little bit scarier to do this in a romantic relationship And that really boils down to like, there's always the risk that it, like you bringing that up will mean like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. Okay, bye. So the relationship could end. Now, technically that is true in any relationship you have, not just the romantic ones, but that seems to get dialed up. That fear gets really dialed up in our romantic relationships, which is why you see a lot of couples who are avoiding the real conversations, who are avoiding talking about the things that they really need to talk about, that they've probably been sweeping under the rug for years or for some people, decades. And, you know, once you've been sweeping stuff under the rug for a while, like how do you just casually (laughs) open that conversation? So remember back in 2008 when we had this big rupture that never actually got repaired. I think today is a good day to talk about that. (laughs) You know, it, it becomes this thing that we build up in our head and it gets more and more awkward and more and more convoluted and complicated. And, uh, we can talk ourselves out of dealing with things, especially in our high stakes relationships. So, 
obviously romantic relationships is a high stakes, but also this applies, you'll see a parallel here with business and work relationships because the work relationship is tied to money. Money is tied to your survival. So any relationship that is fundamentally tied to survival in some way, shape, or form, or a core need, um, that will kind of clock in your mind as a higher stakes relationship, which means we run the risk of avoiding the things that we really need to tend to in those relationships. We find ways of convincing ourselves that we don't need to have the conversation or convincing ourselves that the need we have isn't that big of a deal. Like, you know, I'll just kind of twist myself into a pretzel to, you know, deal with the fact that this need is not being met or that this person isn't able to meet me in this really important way. And so we start to kind of create more density in our mind, in our emotional body, in our physical body. And that can feel just really dense. It can feel really bland. It can feel really numb. And then we wonder where the inspiration went. We wonder where, where did that person go that I fell in love with? Where did I go? You know, when we lose ourselves in love, there's obviously many reasons why that can happen, but a lot of the time it's because we're just not talking about what we need to talk about. And, you know, one of the reasons that we won't talk about the things that we need to talk about, aside from, you know, it being a high risk and being tied to survival and all of that, is that not many of us have learned the art of enrollment. A lot of people learn like how to en quote unquote uh, enroll people by making demands. I did a post on this years ago, of like the difference between a request and a demand. And we're going to be talking about this extensively in my upcoming uh, conflict and communication series called Let's Talk About It. <laughs> And we're going to be really flushing out this distinction of making a request versus making a demand. And before you can really sparkle in the world of enrollment, you need to know this distinction. You need to know that there is a fundamental difference between making a request and making a demand. A request is an open position. It allows for free will. It allows for a yes or a no. And if there is a no, that no is not like going to be met with coldness. It's not going to be met with emotional hostility. You're not going to punish them for their no. Like their no is just as welcome as their yes. That's a clean request. A demand, on the other hand, is a very fixed and closed position. So, you know, it's, it's coming at it from this very unrelational space of like, I don't actually care or I'm, I don't even care to consider 
what might be true and alive for you or what's right for you. This is what I need and I'm the only one that matters here. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why that doesn't work. But yet, humans are fascinating creatures and we love to do things that don't work over and over and over again, you know, pop on our magical thinking hat and think, well, this time it'll be different. (laughs) And then we get all like bent out of shape when it's not different, when it doesn't create the result that we were looking for. I think of the show, The Ultimatum, a lot when I think about this distinction Because in that show, an ultimatum is essentially a demand. You know, you do this or we're done. And that doesn't really allow for co-creation. Like there's a way to let your partner know like, hey, my needs have chronically been unmet here. I'm almost at the point of no return. And these are the things that would really make a difference for me and, you know, would create an opening for me to want to stay and work on it. Is that something that you're committed to? Is that something that you're interested in? Is that something that you even want? And allowing for the truth. Because when we make a demand, I'm going to guess the majority of the time, We already know the answer is no. We already know that the other person is not enrolled. And so we need to use a forceful tactic to manipulate their behavior so that we get what we want and we can avoid what we don't want. And that is just not relational. Like, yeah, there, and I think people do this because they're like, it works. Yeah. It'll work to manipulate someone's behavior, but a manipulated behavior change isn't transformation. That isn't someone who is transforming and changing because it's the true thing for them. They're doing it because you pushed on a pain point. They're doing it because, you know, well, just not for the right reasons, because it's not an internal shift. It's not something that they're doing because they genuinely want to do it. And when you present the information of like, hey, you know, this isn't working for me. I love you. I love us. Um, This makes me really sad to consider that we might be at the point of going as far as we can go. Um, This is kind of like my last like Hail Mary here of these are the things that I know I need, and what I need from you is to just be honest with me about whether or not that is something that you want, you can commit to, that you are willing to get in the ring with me about, and I'm equally interested and invested in knowing what you need on your side for this to continue to be a yes for you, and then I will my commitment is to tell you the truth of whether or not that is something that I can or can't do. Very different (laughs) than walking around, slinging demands, slinging ultimatums, being like, if you don't 
marry me. Fuck you. We're done. <laughs> oh, I'm so shocked that that strategy just doesn't work. <laughs> and when it does, this is the kicker. When you use an ultimatum or a demand to force behavior change, you still are in the same energetic and emotional position even when their behavior changes. Because you will never be able to fully trust and fully open to their behavior change and maintain that because you know that it happened in a way that they didn't choose. They, they didn't really choose that themselves. They were manipulated into it. So you have to keep that same game going in order to keep the relationship moving. And, you know, I, I've seen this in relational dynamics where um, one person wants to get married, the other person does not. And so an ultimatum is given a demand is made and the person who doesn't want to get married, it's not that they don't want to be with their partner, right? So they want to be with them. They just, for whatever reason, don't want to be married, which I think is a totally legitimate thing. You know, I've had my own complicated relationship with marriage and, um, you know, that whole side of relating. And so I can really understand why someone may really want to be a life partner with you, but not want to be married. And so what tends to happen if, you know, the person who doesn't want to get married genuinely, like genuinely wants to be in the relationship is they might override what is true for them to give the other person what they want and let's say they get married. But because they have overridden what's true for them, you know what starts to build? Toxic resentment. And toxic resentment is the silent killer of most relationships. And toxic resentment is always a map of where, and it shows us exactly where we stop telling the truth. Every spot where you feel resentful is a spot where you haven't told the full truth, is a spot where you have overridden what is true and alive for you. And that doesn't turn out well for anybody. And in those dynamics, you know, where they're married now, and so person one is happy because like, yay, we got married. And person two is like, I had to override what's true for me to be here. I'm not so thrilled about this and resentment is brewing. So you know what? There's no real connection. And I think people a lot of the time want to get married because they think it's going to get them something in terms of a deepening of connection or a deepening of intimacy, or it's going to be the shoe in for forever. So they're never going to have to feel pain or alone again. Not the right reasons to get married, y'all. Just like moving in with someone, you know, because you want to save money on rent and you're in a romantic relationship, that's not a good enough reason to move in with someone. You move in with someone because that's the next true thing for the relationship. 
not because it's some financial decision. Get a roommate. Live with a roommate. You know, (laughs) because again, like if we do things at a pace that isn't true, if we do things um, where we have to override our actual pace, uh, resentment is going to build. And when resentment is present, we can't connect because resentment's in the way. And so the only way to clear the resentment and reconnect is by telling the truth. And so you have to be able to enroll people into having these conversations, these truth-telling conversations in a way that doesn't threaten them, in a way that doesn't get their back up. And that has a lot to do with your tone, your body language, and the words that you choose. And the most important element is the energy, the overall energy behind your communication. So if your energy is closed and hard and cold, and you try and enroll someone into a conversation of truth-telling, that is not going to go well. They're probably going to avoid that. They're probably going to avoid you. (laughs) Or if they somehow get wrangled in, um, it's, you're going to be up against like this wall between the two of you. There's not an openness there. And so to be able to enroll someone into these harder conversations is a really important skill set that we all need. Because no matter what relationships you have, there will be conflict. And we need to just let go of this idea that a healthy relationship is one without conflict. That's insane. That is not true. You know what that is, though? That is the inner child and its fantasy about relating. It's not the functional adult's like deep, reverent connection to reality and understanding of relationships. You know, if you want a relationship that's conflict-free, guaranteed the part of you that is saying that is a, a wounded part. It's an inner child that, you know, is scared. It, it, it doesn't want conflict because conflict means disconnection or conflict means isolation or conflict means that I'm scared and no one's here for me. Uh, or I have these really big sensations in my body that I don't know what to do with because there's no one, there's no adult around to help me navigate that. It's important for us to investigate what our association with conflict is. If you want to ultimately work towards having a healthy relationship with conflict, you have to understand the meaning that you've associated to it. Conflict means X, Y, Z to me. I avoid conflict because, or I lean into conflict because. (laughs) Some of you are shit disturbers. (laughs) Some of you like to poke the bear. You know, so they're, and those two usually end up in a relationship together. Like the one who avoids conflict gets put together, like gets put with, you know, a, a provoker. So there's one person poking and one person running away. Neither are healthy relationships to conflict. 
like creating conflict when there doesn't need to be conflict is not a healthy relational strategy. But being able to meet conflict with reverence and with awareness and consciousness uh, when it comes, that is a very healthy relational move. And to understand that there absolutely will be conflict. There will be times where you don't see eye to eye. There, like you're coming from two completely different occurring worlds of reality. Like no two people have the same occurring world of life, of experience. Everybody's experience of being on this planet is different. And yes, there are some shared experiences, but even those shared experiences aren't exact. They're not exactly the same. And when you bring people together who have different conditioning, different life experiences, different perceptions of the world, um, different beliefs, different values, there's inevitably going to be times where that just doesn't mesh. It doesn't line up. Even if you have a lot of alignment, like the most aligned people relationally still have conflict. And the healthiest relationships aren't the ones that avoid conflict or pretend that it's not there or, you know, spend all their time fighting with each other. It's the ones that are aware enough to know that, all right, when we hit one of those roadblocks, we're both equally committed to getting it complete. Getting it complete is also a skill set that most people are really not well-versed in. You know, resolution, getting things complete. This is why in relationships you see a recycling of the same problem over and over and over because it was never complete to begin with. You never actually got to a place of repair and completion. And oftentimes there's an underlying need that isn't being met. And so we can stir up that problem again in hopes of like getting that need met this time without having to be articulate or responsible or really open about what that need is. Again, this, this is all like inner child relating, right? Like when we want someone to figure us out and we think that we don't have to give them the roadmap, that is our inner child looking for a parent because that's the relationship between a child and a parent. It's a parent's job to figure out their child. It's a parent's job to keep their child safe. And I know that doesn't always happen, um, which is why we can replay this stuff in our romantic relationships. And this is why reparenting work is such a big part of what I teach, so that you can tend to that inner child and you can stop choosing relationships where you're unconsciously searching for a surrogate parent instead of a partner. Because nothing will kill passion and intimacy faster than a surrogate parent-child relationship in a romantic container. If that's like the underbelly, if that's what's running underneath the current, it literally kills attraction. And I mean, I think we can all understand why, you know, no one wants to fuck their child or their parent 
if they are a healthy person. And so when we get into these romantic relationship dynamics where there's that undercurrent where either our inner child is looking to be parented by our partner or their inner child is looking to be parented by us, it literally kills all attraction, at least the sexual attraction. And obviously we talked about this in a previous episode that that sexual bond is such an important piece of distinguishing a romantic relationship from a platonic one, but it's also that lifeblood that keeps the relationship moving and evolving and shifting and changing. And, you know, passion and excitement and possibility, they all kind of interweave together. And when we have the skills and ability to enroll people in our relationships, those areas become even more well-nourished. Like we all have desires. We all have dreams. We all have things that we want. And when we know how to fully back that, because that's, that's actually one of the first steps is like knowing how to fully back your desire, like you have approval for it. So you've taken it out of the shadow and you've been able to bring it into the light and be like, actually, yes, this is something that really fucking turns me on. Or this is something that I have waited my whole life to say out loud that I want. Or this is a dream that I really want to create into form. When we can back our dreams, desires, and wants in that way, it makes it so much easier to enroll other people into the possibility of those dreams, desires, wants, and dreams. Oh, I said dreams twice. Maybe because dreams are really important for all y'all. <laughs> Let yourself have them. And I mean, if your relationship, if your dreams, like if your relationship is a place where your dreams go to die, it's not the relationship for you. If your relationship is not the fertile fucking ground for your dreams and their dreams to literally be created into form, you're doing something wrong inside of that relationship. The way that relationship is being created and constructed is, is out of alignment. Now, you can get it into alignment if that's the true thing. If you're meant to be with someone and you are meant to co-create with them, well, then you can, you know, get the relationship into alignment. It's going to take some work on both sides, but it can be done. Of course it can be done. Like we live in a very generative world where things are always getting created into form. And you're either going to create the relationship that you want or you're going to create the relationship that you don't want. I, I know which one I, I choose. I much prefer to create the relationship that I do want. And the relationship that I do want is one where, like, the relationship is so fucking solid and we navigate hard conversations really well. We're both responsible for our patterns and we're both committed to repair 
and completion. Because when you have an issue and you bring it up, you talk about it, you work it through, you get complete with it, you leave it. It doesn't get like put in the baggage and like you drag it through life with you. Like it's complete. We can leave it. Like there's an alchemy that happens there. And that's what keeps, you know, the the pulse, the heartbeat of the relationship going. Like it's very hard to maintain that nice rhythm with each other when there's all of this energetic clunk and junk in the way. Right. And so it, it really messes with the flow and the fluidity of the relationship when we have all of this unprocessed baggage. And like I'm not even talking about stuff that you bring into the relationship from your past. I'm talking about the baggage that gets created in the relationship by not dealing with the things that you need to deal with, by not having the conversations that you need to be having. That creates a really big energetic blockage in the relationship. So then the relationship no longer is that fertile ground for your dreams to be planted and then tended to and like literally cultivated into form. The relationship becomes this sinkhole. It becomes this place where we're putting in energy, but we're not getting energy back. It's not reciprocal. It's not regenerative. You know, and we can see that out in the world. Like if you look at things like regenerative farming versus non-regenerative farming, one rapes and pillages the land, the other one tends to it. The other one creates this beautiful lush ecosystem. And your relationships are the same. So you're either going to create like the wasteland or you're going to create the lush ecosystem. And to do the lush ecosystem, we need to be able to navigate the tough conversations, navigate conflict, and we need to be able to communicate in a way that enrolls people into the possibility of the things that truly bring you to life. Because if you have to hide that, if you have to put that on the back burner, your partner's not getting the best version of you anyway. So why are you together? Why are you together if you cannot be the ultimate best versions of yourselves with each other and your relationship inspires you to become more of who you are meant to be? That's ultimately like the whole point of doing relationships on this level. Now, I will be very clear, this level of relating is not for everybody. This is not for the masses because it takes something to operate at this level. And this is really primarily for the people who are connected to their soul, who are connected to their soul mission. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, you know, in this whole idea of the next level love, you know, a love and relationships that inspire you to literally level up who you know yourself to be. And so when you understand that you are in that pocket, you're in that pocket if you have made it this far in this episode and you have listened to other episodes of mine, like you can trust that you are in that pocket. You are in that world of 
creators and creatives who are here to literally bring their soul mission into form and leave an imprint on this planet that leaves this planet better off for having had you in it. You are one of those people and your relationships need to reflect that. Your relationships need to be the, you know, this very lush ecosystem that allows both of you to thrive or more, I guess, if you're in a polyamorous relationship, you could have a wild ecosystem <laughs> with all sorts of people in there. But, you know, I, I primarily work with monogamous connections and, you know, two-person systems. But you can apply it to any system that feels right and true for you. And when you have the people in the ecosystem who are thriving because they are committed to keeping the ecosystem in its most healthy, regenerative form, that's when like, your soul gets liberated. That's when your relationship becomes the vehicle for possibility. That's when shit gets really fucking good, really magical. And the good news is that it's not limited to romantic relationships either. Like this entire conversation gets applied in all of your core relationships. So anyone who is in your inner circle, this conversation applies to. Because those inner circle connections, those primary connections in your life are going to influence who you are and what you create. And so those ecosystems also have to be healthy and thriving. I invest a lot of time and energy every day, every week, every month, every year into ensuring the ecosystems of all of my core primary relationships remain thriving, which means like I do have to navigate conflict. You know, I have to have hard conversations, even though I'm not in a romantic relationship right now. It doesn't mean that these skills are not being practiced on a regular basis because they are, because we're human and stuff's going to come up, especially the more intimate you get with someone, um, whether that's in a friendship, like I do pretty intimate friendship. Like I don't do surface level anything. (laughs) Unless I'm at like a pub watching a game, talking shit, you know, like that's, that's the only time I'm going to be like operating on the surface. But like when it comes to my relationships, they're all really rich. They're all really emotionally intimate. And so that level of relating requires something of me. It requires something of them. And it means that we're going to bump up against stuff sometimes and there's a commitment to getting it complete. Even if it takes multiple conversations, even if it's gritty and slippery and slimy and like shadowy and like there's a lot of like shadow processing that has to happen, like we're committed to getting it complete so that we can keep moving forward and creating what we're supposed to create in the world, but also creating what's supposed to happen in that relational dynamic. And so being able to reach out to someone in a way and initiate these conversations in a way that doesn't 
shut them down is so important. And I'm going to be teaching how to do this entire process. Now, I will give you a hint right now is that you have to ask them. (laughs) You have to ask them what works for you. Like if I were to, if I had something challenging I had to bring to you, what's the best way to do that? That would really make sense to you? That would really, um, you know, make you feel respected? That you would remain open to me and, you know, what I would need to say? Like, what do you need from me in those moments so that you can be receptive? And then you also need to know how to answer that question if they ask you that question back. So, you know, when everyone has a different strategy with this, everyone has different needs around this. Some people are really okay with a text message. Some people are not okay with text messages. Some people are okay with voice notes. Some aren't. Some want a phone call. Some want in person. Like, um, but like how, ask them, if I had something challenging to bring to you, what would be the best way to initiate that conversation with you so that, you know, you weren't triggered or like disrespected or like you could remain open to what I had to say? That is a really important starting point. If you don't have that information, well, you're... You're throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it sticks. And just for the record, the spaghetti's not cooked, so it's not going to stick. Okay? <laughs> That's what we're dealing with here. And so you really want that high-quality information. It's so necessary. And, you know, to really flush out the additional elements of this skill set, I'm going to be teaching it in my upcoming series. We start January 6th. And there are four sessions that are included, plus a bonus workshop called Let's Talk About Sex. So we're going to be talking about all of the conversations to have around sex and intimacy. And we'll be doing that workshop in January, but this four-part series is the first half of December so that you have all of this information, you have these embodied practices, you've you've got some practice in before the holidays when things get real fucking squirrely for a lot of (laughs) y'all. Okay? And today is November 30th, and there is a sale on this particular series, the 50% off Black Friday sale. It's a no-brainer. You get to keep this course for life. And you get to participate live or you get the replays if you can't come to the live call times. And it's 50% off until 11.59 tonight. So you've got a few more hours to really get in on that. And, I mean, if you miss the sale, um, well, then there might be early bird pricing that's that's rolling. I don't think so because we're starting next week. So um, I, I would... I would hop on it, hop on it. And um, you'll find the link in the show notes if that's of interest to you, along with the promo code. It's it's simple. It's Black Friday, day one, all one word, all caps. And let's play. Let's get you 
really in that pocket of the razzle dazzle sparkle enrolling master, like where you can literally enroll people, not only in times of conflict and challenge, but you can enroll people into your dreams. Like I started this conversation with this dream, this vision that I've been holding for well over a decade has now come into form. Like it's, it's now getting created. And, you know, it, it took 13 years for all the pieces to kind of drop in. And there were really cool serendipitous things along the way, which one day we'll talk about. But for now, like that, that was still a skill of enrollment that I needed to be working on. And I have had to work on that and be practiced in it. And I've been practicing this art of enrollment since like 2008. And so it is something that is, is very locked in my system. And every piece of the vision that has come through has been a byproduct of me enrolling someone in the possibility of this idea that I have for myself in my life. And I want you to have that too. I want your dreams to come true. I want the vision that you have for yourself, your life, your relationships to actually become a reality for you. So we're going to dive into it. We are going to spend four sessions together. We're going to do some live coaching. We've got some embodiment sessions. Um, we've got Q&A. We've got practice work. Like, it's so fucking juicy. I'm obsessed. Like, just go read the sales page because it's just so yummy. <laughs> like, and like, trust yourself. If you're meant to be there, let yourself be there. Okay. Um, and listen, if pricing is an issue and you're like, Kelsey, I really want to be there. I missed the sale. Um, I can't do the payment plan you gave me as an option. Could I have an extended one? I want you to be bold, use your enrollment skills and enroll me in the possibility of what could work for you. Okay. That's, that's an open invitation. That's, you know, I, I don't want this work to be out of range or not accessible. So I'm happy to work something out with you if it's really true for you to be there. If you are going to show up and do the work, I will back you every single fucking time. Okay? Okay. I love you. And we'll see you in the next episode real soon. Okay, bye. <laughs>